Welcome to another edition of the Fantasy Football Chat Ask Me Anything series. This Thursday, blessed with the presence of Angelo FF, known as Angel at Angelo Fantasy on Twitter, uh, also known from his AngeloAnalysis.com website, providing in-depth insight and analysis on upcoming NFL prospects. With the purpose of the website to providing a different approach to player evaluation, he combines the technical terminology used to describe what makes each player unique along with the with their potential for success in the NFL. Angelo, welcome to the show. Man, uh, thank you again for having me on, man. It was a ton of fun last time, so I'm really looking forward to it. It was a ton of fun last time, to say the least. The uh, feeling is definitely reciprocated there. Um I want to draw attention to the folks in chat, um, but also the folks that are listening to be looking at Angelo's Twitter, um, especially here coming up on the draft. Um, he's posting a ton of what I was just for telling him before the show, knowledge bombs with his player prospect profiles, which is a tongue twister to say the least. Uh, Najee Harris, Travis at the end. Uh, Javante Williams, uh, there's more that I'm missing here at the very end. We also have Jamar Chase, Devonta Smith, uh, the list goes on and on, and I'm sure that he can elaborate more to that. If you uh, give, give us the rundown of how last year treated you, Angelo. What's going on? What'd you say? Give us the rundown of how the website treated you. you you've got oh, all this man. good stuff on it. I want everybody to be sure to follow your Twitter because you're linking all these great articles off your website. And I'm just curious, uh, how'd your season and the website go last year? Oh, man. I mean, it, it was truly a blessing, man. The type of feedback that I got and received from, from this great community has been awesome. Um, so it's been great. I mean, uh, I can't complain at all. I've learned a lot about, you know, web building. I, I designed the website myself. So uh, that was definitely, a, you know, kind of on the left field for me. Definitely not my forte. But, uh, you know, I did my best with it and learned a ton. And I learned a ton about my own content and what I like to create and kind of, you know, what I do well, what I don't do well, my own strengths and weaknesses. So uh, it's been great to kind of chop it up with a ton of great minds in the community and and kind of, you know, figure out, you know, what people want to see, um, as well as, like I said, like, what are my own strengths, weaknesses, and how I can Im improve my own process. And that leads to me to my first question, which is a personal one. Um, you've got a ton of knowledge, obviously. It shows through your writings and analyses and everything in between. Um, is the, I'm assuming that bigger companies the the big the big names have reached out trying to scoop up scoop you up and get you on their team i'm assuming that the creative control is really a driving factor in that process uh yeah man i mean for me so i, I do this for fun like I, I you know i enjoy chopping up with this great community like i said and and uh creating all my own content and the uniqueness of it um, is what really drives me to do it. And my own background in sport and human performance and, and my career as a collegiate athlete as well. So um, I, I just, I like to do things with a little different spin on it. Um, and, you know, I, I kind of like to be the lone wolf in that regard. Um, and there's a ton of great corporations and companies out there that do a fantastic job with fantasy football and player evaluation. Um, but I kind of, I kind of like my own lane that I'm in and created for myself. So uh, I don't think that's going to change anytime soon, but um but yeah, that's kind of, you know, me in a nutshell, just, just, just being me and um, being, you know, the unique person that I am and, and not trying to be like anybody else in this space, but kind of, you know, like I said, paid my own lane. Yeah, and it shows on your website that you've put a ton of work into it, not just in the articles, but also in the web building like you mentioned previously. And for you to say that you went into that kind of blind is – pretty wild to me personally because that's nuts the website looks really nice but um yeah it's just it's a lot of really good stuff um uh i, I just love how professional the brand like even just you as a sole analyst and content creator like at, have built like a brand just on you yourself and 
it shows and i mean you've got it plastered all over the website like what you stand for and why you're doing it and you know the community definitely backs you 110 here in fantasy football chat but uh enough of a lot lauding you let's get down to brass tacks i guess and not leave these folks hanging sure uh We've got a lot of debate going around the QB rankings this year, given how, how high-profile the QB class is. Based on your film analysis, how would you rank the QBs? But to follow up on Tuba, where would you rank Keelan Mond, and why is Chris Sims crazy? Oh, man, I don't think Chris Sims is crazy because I think Chris Sims played the position at a high level. So he knows the quarterback position probably much better than I do. Um, but for me personally, I have it Lawrence. I think Lawrence is, you know, the the can't miss quarterback prospect of the decade, in my opinion. Uh, I think what he does as an athlete is severely underlooked uh, at his size, you know, six five plus, um, with his arm talent and, and feel for the position. I think he's the unquestioned quarterback one, you know, probably ever since Andrew Luck. And after him, it's Justin Fields. I think he's a fantastic prospect in his own right. I think in most years, he is the QB1 in most classes. Um, after him, I have Trey Lance. I think the upside of Lance is huge, especially since we're talking about fantasy football. I mean, he's the Konami code quarterback, right? He's your, you know, he's kind of like the Jalen Hurts of this class, where last year it was like a ton of questions on Jalen Hurts' his arm talent. Um, what can he do as a processor? Um, but it's the legs that you're really kind of buying into, right? You're buying into the fact that he, you know, has such high rushing upside, um, but he could be a, you know, a 600 yard rusher in the NFL, and that would surprise me one bit. And after him, it's um, going to be uh, Zach Wilson. Uh, I like Zach Wilson a ton. He reminds me of Jay Cutler a lot, actually. So I'm a Chicago Bears fan, and when I watch Wilson, I see Jay Cutler, which is a good and bad thing. Obviously, uh, takes a lot of risk. Um, really confident throw of the football. Um, great touch on deep balls, but it's going to be the locker room. Is he going to be a locker room leader and a guy and a guy the organization is going to turn to uh, to lead them to the Super Bowl, right? Is that going to be him? And I think you need that in, in today's world in particular um, with all the, you know, social injustice going on and, and so many different, you know, COVID and so many different types of things, you know, that we have to navigate on a day-to-day basis. It's really important to have a, a good, sound leader at that position. I think that's something that Wilson's going to have to grow into. Um, but, I, you know, for me, he's a supremely talented throw of the football, so he definitely shouldn't be overlooked. And then my uh, QB5 is um, Mac Jones. I mean, man, like, Mac Jones is one of those guys, one of those cats that gets overlooked because we have a ton of really, really talented quarterbacks in this class that do different things really well. But Mac Jones is a super solid, solid dude, right? He's, he's Kirk Cousins. Basically, like he's he's a guy that's gonna he's not gonna lose you games, uh, but he's not gonna be a you know put the team on your back, you know like a Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, you know Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, etc. He's not like those guys, but he's a guy that a good organization can win with. Um, you know, there's a ton of organizations in the NFL right now that need a quarterback. It's just like my Chicago Bears, um, and he's not a bad um, not a bad option there as a floor prospect, but. Uh, to answer the other question, um, Callum Mond is he's a trait based prospect, right? He's a, this, this, the Sean Kaiser of this class, as you will. A uh, ton of great physical traits and tools that he has, but I don't know if he has the processing capabilities um, to be a starting NFL quarterback. And it's the decision making and the, like going through progressions and things of that nature that you don't see from him, or at least you see it pretty inconsistently. So Chris Sims is not crazy because he has a ton of really intriguing traits, but Mond isn't a guy that's going to step in you know, to the NFL from day one and light it up, in my opinion. I love it. I love it. Um, that goes uh, – there's a question later in chat that has to do with uh, – RQB rankings that you just discussed there. And you said that Zach Wilson, he needs that locker room manner that that's going to be a key aspect of seeing in the NFL. Um, one user, Smitty here, has asked, is there a legitimate argument for Wilson over Fields or the other way around purely from just the talent there? It depends what you look for, you know, and for me, 
Fields offers the best of both worlds in terms of being a super talented throw the football. And he's also extremely athletic, especially at his size, right? So, and he's done it for, he's done it consistently for a longer period of time than Wilson has. You know, Wilson just this year was, you know, has, has kind of risen up and, and ascended into being a top quarterback prospect. So that wasn't one of those things where it's, that's, that hasn't been the case for the last couple of years. You know, he just came into that this year. So for me, I think you look at consistency over time and, you know, competition matters too, obviously, but, you know, you have guys like Trey Lance and Zach Wilson too, who are supremely talented, but didn't play the highest level of competition. Um, but for me, man, I think, you know, Justin Fields is the quarterback too. And I, I think it's a wide gap between, you know, Lawrence and Fields and then a wider gap between Fields and the rest of the class. Excellent. Um, moving away from the quarterbacks and into the wide receiver category, who's the most polarizing prospect of wide receiver and why is it either Bateman or Tony? I actually think it's neither. Uh, I think, I think it's, let's get spicy. I think it's it's Rondell Moore. Uh, I, I, because the simple fact that a guy with, you know, who had such a dominant season as a freshman, you know, with the litany of injuries he suffered but he's a like the the a dot's a question too. But he's a dude that you know he's lightning with the ball in his hands, and he's gonna potentially be a first round pick in this year's draft. Um, and I love Rondell Moore, but it's the question of where is he gonna line up at the NFL level? You know, where is he being deployed consistently? So that's kind of my hang up with him, and that's why I think he's so polarizing. Is what's an offensive coordinator gonna do with him? It's gonna take a creative mind to you know, to unleash him fully, sort of like LaVisca Chenault Jr., uh, who I think it's a pretty good comparison between the two because of how they play, how they win. You know, they went on low, low A-dot targets, and they get a ton of yards after the catch. All, like, awfully hard to bring down those guys in the open field. Um, but it's going to be, you know, it remains to be seen if, is, you know, Rondo Moore going to be a multi-level threat at the NFL level? Is he going to threaten a defense vertically? Or is he going to be... Um, more so on the first level of the defense, you know, with scheme touches, like obviously manufactured touches, like jet tosses, um, screens, things of that nature, just getting in the ball and getting him in space. Or is he going to be a multi-level guy and grows into that role? And that's when you can really see him, you know, rise up. And I have him as a Pro Bowl caliber player on AGS. So I think, I think he's going to be a fantastic NFL wide receiver, but it remains to be seen what NFL system he's going to be in and obviously how they're going to deploy him. Gotcha. So we'll have to wait until after the draft to get your true running back rankings in terms of what's yeah. going on. Yeah. Yeah. For the receivers in particular, I think it's important to know a lot of these guys are going to be standalone guys where they, you know, a guy like Jamar Chase, Devonta Smith, to like Rashad Bateman, those guys can go anywhere and be really good. But some of these other guys who have just as high of ceilings need a little bit more help from their landing spot in order to have early career success. Fair enough. Um, Tuba here is asked, who are your sleeper running backs and was generally considered to be a weak running back class this year? Man, it's a good question. Uh, I think my biggest sleeper is, I don't even know if he's a sleeper, but Trey Sermon. He's not talked about enough. I think he's, he's definitely one of the backs that could come in and have a three-down role right away. And it, his shortcomings are not because of his talent whatsoever, but they're more so because of his lack of durability. And that's the one question that we don't, uh, we don't have answers to, but he's going to be a player that's going to be drafted in, you know, the second round of your rookie drafts that you can hit a home run on, especially if you're RB needy. Um, the second guy for me is Puka Williams Jr. I've loved Puka Williams Jr. ever since he was a freshman at Kansas. I mean, the dude put up like 1,500 total yards and nine touchdowns as a freshman in the Big 12 at 175 pounds playing running back, right? So there's something there. Uh, it's going to be, you know, what offensive quarter is he going to be attached to, how they're going to deploy him, and what role is he going to play. At his pro day, um, you know, there's reports that a lot of teams want him to play slot receiver and running back, so kind of that hybrid mold. Um, but, I mean, yes. man, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what he does. But I, I, as a prospect, man, he's a really intriguing one in the late rounds in PPR leagues for sure. Oh, I, I really uh, 
you spoke on saying that you could hit a home run in the second round with uh, with him, and uh, definitely got to keep my eye out there. I own a ton of seconds in a lot of leagues, so there you go. Definitely keep keep that on my mind. Uh, Slim Reaper BMI debate: Which side are you on? And is it, is it properly baked into his profile or blown out of proportion? I'll be very honest. I think this is probably one of the most overblown narratives in the past few years Um, for the simple fact that we like to think that we know a lot about BMI and size and weight for NFL receivers because we, we, you know, we see the prototypes, right? We see that, you know, the Julio Joneses, the DK Metcalfs, the AJ Browns. We see those dudes who are essentially modern, modern day gladiators. And then this guy comes along who's about their size when they were their size when they were probably in what sixth, seventh grade, and he's dominating <laughs> the SEC for, for two straight years, and he's winning against four or five star cornerbacks. No one can cover him, no one can stop him. He's about to put up three hundred plus receiving yards in the national championship game on the biggest stage in college football. The reason why I think this narrative is pretty overblown is we have to look at what is the root of this. Okay, so Devonta Smith goes to Alabama last year in 20, I think it was 2020, um, or late 2019, they hired Dr. Matthew Rhea to oversee sports, sports science at the University of Alabama. When that happened, you know, Matthew Rhea, not a lot of people probably know about him, but just a little snippet about him. He's one of the most well-renowned, well-respected sports, sports performance and sports science minds in the whole entire world, especially in, in that industry. And the NFL thinks very highly of him. You know, everybody thinks very, very highly of this guy. He's the one making decisions on what players are doing for speed and power development. You know, what is the optimum in terms of their physical bodies to get them to play at optimum, I, I should say. Devonta Smith played at under 170 pounds. This man is being paid a good chunk of change, and his reputation is based on making the right decisions in this regard. Why are we not listening to that? (laughs) That's the thing is, like, we're not listening to the guy who basically told us Devonta Smith is going to be the most dominant receiver in the last decade at sub 170. He's telling us that. He's giving us, you know, he's ringing the bell for him, but we decide to overlook that because of one sole metric instead of a whole body of work. That is ridiculous. If we're, I mean, if being honest, that's just insane. So Absolutely. I'm very clearly on, I, this is, it doesn't matter. Like, we are in 2021. This is not 2008 where everybody's a press cover corner. You know, the, like even Brandon Marshall said on the I Am Athlete podcast, which is a fantastic podcast if you guys have not heard it. It's him, Ocho Cinco, uh, and a few other guys just chopping it up, man. Barbershop talk style, man. It's fantastic. But Brandon Marshall's like, man, this doesn't – like, size doesn't matter anymore. Like, guys like Stephon Diggs, Antonio Brown – you know, these guys are dominating, you know, the NFL. At, they're playing at under 180 pounds. Like, Ocho Cinco's like, man, I played at 170. So, there you go. It's, it's, this is not the league of, you know, the early 2000s where it is a, you know, knock them down, grind it out for four quarters. No, like, these guys are being schemed into space um, and schemed to where they have the most success. And a guy like Devonta Smith is a very unique player and one I think very highly of, and he's going to go way later in drafts than he should. I see him falling in the sec- early, early to mid-second round in drafts because of one thing. Not because of more than one concern. It's one concern, and that's the size concern. But to me, I'm gobbling up that value uh, all, day, all day long, and I want him on as many rosters as I can get him on. Yeah, uh, completely agree with your point there that this is the old grind them out. You know, we, we've seen the types of flags the past couple of years that have been thrown. Uh, if the talent is there, it's, yeah, yeah, you can't dismiss it. You can't dismiss right. it. Um, 
Any sleeper tight ends you like this year? A position we haven't touched on quite yet. Yeah, I think the only one that really comes to mind is uh, Kenny Yaboa. Uh, I, I think he's got a really interesting physical skill set. Uh, he's a guy, he's a Temple to you know to Ole Miss. Uh, he's a really interesting player, man. I I think he's he's definitely someone to to look out for um, during pro days to see how he tests because he's going to be you know he's like six four two forty, um, really good athlete. But you're gonna have to look out for your bow in terms of being a, like a yard after catch threat. Um, but I think he's severely, severely slept on. So he's definitely a guy. If you know, if you're in tight end premium, he's worth taking a shot on late. And as we've gone through here and kind of lightly touched on uh, the different positions and how you're evaluating them this current year, um, looking back on last year. Um, what sort of uh, were you more on the I got more right than wrong end of the spectrum or vice versa? You know, it, it's funny because I, I find myself having this conversation with people a lot, but I think it takes at least two to three years to, to answer that question. So, like going back to the 2019 class, some of the calls that I made um, publicly were Dave Montgomery's my RB1. Um, I was fading Miles Sanders. Um, I like Josh Jacobs. My RB, my wide receiver one was AJ Brown. So I was right on AJ Brown. It's very easy to be right on AJ Brown. We can all see AJ Brown's an absolute stud. That's not hard. Um, Montgomery, we can we we can hate on Miles Sanders too before you get to that. And <laughs> Finn, uh, we can do that here. <laughs> so I mean, for me, it was you know I thought Montgomery had the easiest path to volume because of how he played, how smart he was as a football player um, and where he got drafted you know, to the Chicago Bears. And obviously the Tariq Cohn injury was, you know, unfortunate, but that really led to him getting the volume that they drafted him to receive. Um, with Sanders, it was the concerns. My biggest concerns with him coming out were um, ball security is both a pass catcher and, you know, as a rusher. And we've seen that come to light as of late, especially in this past year where you know, he had the like combined highest drop and fumble rate in the NFL. And if that happens, you're not going to continue to continue to see 15 and 20 touches a game. So he's going to have to become a, an efficiency type back where he relies on, you know, fewer touches and being really efficient with those touches. That being said, I think, you know, the Eagles want to get someone in there that can lighten the workload off Sanders. He's had durability concerns as well, which is really unfortunate. But for me, I guess that was those two guys were the most polarizing in my eyes, kind of the contrast, um, especially in their sophomore season in the NFL. We, we saw Montgomery become RB4 and um, Sanders struggle with his health and durability um, as well as with ball security. And that segues into the next question here asked by Sam. Looking around at the industry, um, whether it be professionally or even just Twitter takes that you might come across. What's one of the biggest reasons analysts and fans miss so often when it comes to rookie evaluation? Oh, I've, I think a big part of it is the echo chamber. I think people get really caught up in what other people are saying. And like they, they listen, they listen to a lot of people other than themselves, if that makes sense. Um, I think you a lot of times just have to go with your gut and use resources um, to help you make decisions. But I think a lot of times, you know, like you should have your own set of rankings, you know, no matter, you know, you shouldn't, should you use someone else's to like to kind of guide you and, and help frame thinking? Sure. But I think everybody in the, in the like fantasy football world should have their own opinion because like, like, why wouldn't you like everybody has thoughts and feelings about players and everybody has a different process and how they arrive at that. So I think that's the biggest thing people miss is listening to too many people either have like a short circle of people that you really trust their rankings or trust their film analysis or trust their, their data sets or what have you. Um, but always have your own, um, your own thoughts and feelings written down about what you like about these players, landing spots, schematically, how they fit, things of that nature. Because, you know, everybody's an individual trying to win fancy championships, right? So, I mean, it, it's not this, you know, like, I, like man, like, I can't play the game, like, for you, right? So, like, you can't play the game for somebody either. But 
I think it's honestly the biggest thing is, you know, just being your, being your own individual in that sense of creating your own rankings. And, and also one thing I think that teams should do more is like contact some of those bigger names, right? Like, like contact people and be like, Hey man, like this, these are, this is what I thought here, here, this is my thought process. Like, like chop it up with some of those guys and, and kind of create a community with it and, and share and, and learn and, and um, just get a wealth of information. But then at the end of the day, you know, whittle that down to people that you really trust and then, then I'll make your own decisions. It reminds me of the, the league episode where Andre uh, is going over <laughs> and he keeps asking the different questions. He goes, and it comes back. He goes, were you just getting advice from those guys? And he's like, and now you're taking that advice and giving it to everybody else. And all those people are going to take that advice and give it. You're just an advice whore. Like we're, we're, we're cutting you out. So right. yeah, the echo chamber is a real thing. And it's a shame that it is because sometimes it echoes such a terrible opinion. Yeah. But uh, looking to this season coming up, what's been one of your favorite players? Or actually, we're going to do two parts here. Uh, looking at past seasons, what's been one of your favorite players to evaluate? Man, I would have to say LaVisca Chanel Jr., I would say he probably has the most fun tape you can possibly get your hands on. Especially if you're a, a human movement nerd like me, man. I mean, the things that man can do at like six feet tall, 230 pounds, I mean, it's just unreal to watch, especially in, at Colorado. Um, yeah, he was definitely my, he was definitely my guy last year. Um, and one that I've been, you know, it's been, it's been awesome to see him, you know, you know, get some run in Jacksonville so far and, and do well with it. Absolutely. I've got uh, Vishka on a couple teams and wouldn't mind seeing a little bit more success and volume thrown that way. But as far as a rookie going goes, uh, not upset whatsoever. Uh, and the second part to that question, what's been one of the hardest players this year to evaluate Um from the tape on what you see versus your gut feeling on what you think is going to happen. Oof. Oh man. I think there's probably two players that I keep going back and watching more and more on. And, and one of those is actually probably one of the biggest names and that's Jamar Chase. I really like Chase. And I think he has, a, he has like the highest ceiling of any wide receiver prospect in this class. But there's areas that he struggles, and I think it's important to know those struggles, but kind of weighing how much is he going to struggle when he gets in the NFL for not having played for two years, for having um, some significant tells to his game technically, and then him just learning the tactical element of what it takes to play in the NFL. Uh, so I, I've, been, I've been struggling with that one um, before I put the profile up, and now I kind of have a, a better handle on – like what I think Chase is going to be out of the gate and what he can be, um, you know, going forward. I think he's an all pro. Uh, he's an all pro caliber football player. Um, but it's always tough when there's a guy who puts up such ridiculous numbers that at first you're like, man, I don't really see it. Like, you know, like I don't see it. And then having to go back and watch more and more film, 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 um, you know, I kind of better handle on now, but he was definitely one that was, um, pretty polarizing. Then, then, then Travis Etienne was one too, where like, same thing. He put up unbelievable rushing numbers at Clemson, but he, there's, he has a lot of issues, like him more than any back in this class. Like, he has a ton of things to clean up before he's a complete player. And it's going to be, is, is the NFL offense going to be patient with him and allow him to have growing pains and put him in a position to succeed in, in a wide zone type scheme? Um, I don't have the answer to that question, but he's a very scheme specific player. And a lot of times with those players, they need that specific scheme to succeed at a high level. And that's what we're going to see with him. And I think, um, but he was definitely one that was interesting because I, I thought I would like him much more than I did. Uh, I still think he's a very good player on AGS. He grades out highly, especially because of analytics. Um, but man, on, on film, he was like running back five in this class for me. So <laughs> Um, it was really interesting because I, I didn't think I'd, I'd have him that low when it all was said and done, but uh, it just so happens that I did. And, 
a lot of that has to do with the concerns with him through contact, um, you know, being unnatural as a pass catcher, even though he improved, you know, he improved in that facet this year. Um, but yeah, man, it's it, both those guys are definitely interesting players for me to evaluate. Uh, I think Chase has a clear path to being an outstanding NFL player than ETN. I think ETN is a little bit murkier um, because of, you know, where he's handed the keys. And you just mentioned a moment ago that uh, the analytics sort of do kind of awful a little bit. Um, and users, I mean, we all know you, you're the film man and uh, you go back, you analyze it. Uh, but for those folks that are more by the metrics um, and who, quote unquote, have no idea how to watch film, definitely not me, not uh, end quote. <laughs> um, what stats do you generally find to be most predictive of NFL success? I know that you touched on body movement and uh, sort of that spring. Um, what I guess which metrics uh, might correspond closest to that at the combine pro day, those sort of things. Sure. That's a great question. So for me, like I actually devised a grading system to use both film and analytics. So I, I think if you want a complete holistic picture of what a prospect is truly like, you have to use both of those. Um, so I created AGS, the Ascension grading system I talked about a little bit before, um, but it uses, you know, 10, 10 film grades and traits that are really important for me to see in the NFL players um, and these collegiate prospects. And then five analytic factors as well um, that I think, you know, should be weighed heavily and, you know, heavily um, to kind of see consistent success at the NFL level. And I think the most important out of those for me is historical production. If you didn't produce at a high level in college, why should I think you can produce at the NFL level? Obviously there's, there's caveats to that and there's things that, you know, you have to kind of pick through and weed out, like a guy like Alvin Kamara, you know, who wasn't a super high-level producer. But if you watch the film, Alvin Kamara was an absolute animal at Tennessee. And you, you could probably figure out, okay, this guy's going to be a pretty dang good NFL player. And then, you know, the five that I weigh um, for running backs are ex- experience-adjusted production, college dominator, historical production as a rusher, BMI, uh, and receiving workload in production. And then for receivers, the five that I weigh on AGS are experience-adjusted production, college dominator, historical production, BMI, and career yards per reception. So all these are graded out and weighted, you know, pretty simple decimal grading system. But the system itself has bonuses. So bonuses are applied to near elite or elite traits and data points. Um, The bonuses are 1.25 and 1.5, 1.25 for basically 90th to 95th percentile and 1.5 for traits that are, you know, 95th and above percentile, essentially. Um, so, for example, in this class, like Travis Etienne has a five out of five grade for his acceleration capabilities, meaning he has a score of 7.5 after one and a half times multiplier. So those like those traits that a player has um, are magnified and graded accordingly to how they and how I think the NFL will essentially see that, see that player. A player's basically star traits are what the NFL is buying. They're buying into that. They're, they're buying Travis Etienne as an accelerator. That's literally what his whole entire game is predicated off of. So if he didn't have that, his other skills would be, would be, a, be lesser. Um, and the same thing with, with analytics. You know, A guy like A.J. Dillon has a 5 out of 5 for BMI, right? Does that bump them up? It does. I mean, size does matter in that sense um, to the NFL, especially if you're looking at bell cow running back. But for me, that's what that's how I devised my grading system and created it. Um, took me about two and a half, three years to do it. But th- that's kind of how I look at it. You know, my overarching process is 70% film, um, 30% analytics. But I do think both are really, really important. You know, to get the end of a prospect's collegiate career and understand what they what they are like uh, potential wise at the NFL level. Have you uh, applied the AGS to like a sort of R plotting system, uh, programming wise? Like, 
looking to set up models and whatnot uh, to put on the website, anything like that? Yeah, so I actually put up, so I have uh, basically two things up right now, well, four essentially. So class of 2021 running backs are, are, are charted out and put on the website to see the grades, the film grade, the analytic grade, and the ascension grade, which is a, the, the, the score in totality. Um, and then those for running backs, receivers. And I also have those grades for past classes. So I did, uh, like I said, working out for three years. So um, since 2019, uh, 2019 class, 2020 class, and then this class, 2021 class. So you can compare and contrast grades um, from classes. So I, for example, Jonathan Taylor, and as a there's a scaling system too. So like you can see, like Jonathan Taylor, for example, has an 80.36 ascension grade, which bring which brings him to be in tier one um, of AGS, which means tier 175 and over. Uh, I mean, he has gold jacket caliber potential. So it, it gives you a sense of what the player is going to be ceiling wise in the NFL. Um, some like some of those tiers are gold jacket potential. Tier two is all pro caliber. Tier three is pro bowl caliber. Tier four is above average starter. Um, this is for running backs. And tier five is high ceiling, high risk prospect. Tier six is secondary committee option. And tier seven um, is a depth piece with low career ceiling. So that's what we're looking at in terms of charting those and putting those points on the website. Each prospect has a grade for film and analytics. And then, like I said, the grade in totality is the ascension grade. And that is highlighted, and that's what puts them in specific tiers. I can't wait to go back and listen to and try to digest everything that you just said because that <laughs> it's a lot, so, man. It, it's it's a lot, and the fact that you've done it all, sort of, you know, on your own there, it's that's quite a feat, uh, to say the least. But yeah, well said, well said. Definitely have to go back and get the complete package there. But yes. Love it. Um, but speaking of things that we don't love, what is one first-round ADP rookie that you are trying to avoid? And I'm thinking he's saying trying to avoid because, I mean, obviously you have to take somebody if the value is there. But even if the value was there, is there a certain first-round ADP player that you aren't taking regardless? Oof. Uh, probably ETN, honestly. I mean, because you're probably going to have to spend a top six pick to, to get him. Uh, I would rather have Javante Williams, in my opinion. I think his floor is safer, especially um, with his goal line success baked into that. But I think he's probably the one that I'm trying to avoid at cost. Um, I don't have many leagues where I'm um, picking really early, which is, I guess, pretty it's good. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> But in leagues that I'm picking around like 105 to 107, I'm trying to avoid avoid picking um travis etm there's a there's a good amount of players i have in his same tier and on ags and and above him so i'm not too concerned about that but he's the one guy i'm i guess more cautious about than most so we should expect to see more etn hype in your twitter feed uh leading up to your drafts oh a thousand percent it's funny because a lot of my 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 league mates are my my best friends from high school so um, they'll go on the site and they all subscribe and they're like, so how much of this is smoke when it comes to <laughs> our draft time or how much of it is real? I'm like, man, I can't tell you that because, you know, there's money in a championship on the line, but, um, it's all, it's all in good fun. I mean, they, they poke fun at a lot of some of that stuff, but, um, but no, ETN is definitely the, definitely the guy that, um, they know I'm, I'm not super, super high on. Okay. So, so you'll at least let them know whenever the smoke oh, they is know. there. Oh, they know. Hey. Hey, they they know. I mean, and they know I'm I'm confident in beating them too. So it's it's one of those. <laughs> it's funny. It's, it's funny because that's how it works. Like they they know like what players I like and what I don't like, right? So um, they're probably listening to this right now, and they're like, "Yeah, whatever." But um, the, that's how it goes. But the real question is, are they concerned? Ooh, concerned about what? You as a contender. I mean, they should be. I mean, no, most leagues that I'm in with them, I think. Yeah, I'm. I think I'm like a top. Most leagues, I'm in the top three team right now. And, but I think they should be concerned. I mean, shoot, man, I watch so much damn film. I mean, it, it'd be concerning if they weren't concerned. You know? So, <laughs> um, but no, man, it's all in good fun, man. I, I love, I love my friends, man, chopping up with them and 
them kind of seeing, you know, you know, I guess Angelo and Alice is kind of grow a little bit, but, uh, but no, it's all in good fun, but yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely been interesting with them kind of getting on the website and, and poking my brain about some of these guys. The, uh, I've gotten not quite the same feeling because I don't have nearly the amount of, uh, knowledge that you do, but, um, yeah, having folks holler at me, I'm like, we're in leagues together, my man. I, 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 I want to help you out, but I can't shoot myself in the foot while doing it, but I'll do, I'll do my best for you. So I'm Um, ranking i'm i'm gonna come back to Juno john's question here um but javian hawkins from louisville uh, uh as a guy from kentucky not a fan of louisville football but i can't be a fan of kentucky football so well here lately they've gotten better but regardless is javian hawkins being underrated in this draft class overrated properly rated yeah, about him. yeah, I, th- I think he is being underrated a bit because he's gonna be a guy that, that if if he runs as well as we think he's gonna run, it's gonna be a, a Darrington Evans all over again, right? Where he runs really well, performs well, combine slash pro day, and then boom, he has round three draft capital. That could very well happen with Hawkins, and I I think that will happen with Hawkins because he's a dynamic, explosive running back that. I think will be a good secondary piece in a committee. Now, will he be a bell cow back? No, probably not. But, you know, if he's a, you know, 1B to a solid 1A, then I think he could do a really, really good job. He could do way worse than, than, than Hawkins, if we're being honest. Absolutely agree. Um, as much as I hate to tout up Louisville players, uh, I am excited to see how Hawkins performs. Um, you know, Louisville produces more NFL talent than you'd expect. A hundred percent, yeah. It's a shame. It's a shame. <laughs> don't, don't say it like it's a good thing. Uh, uh, I'm upset about it. But that's funny. Uh, is the level completely pivoting away from my hatred for Louisville? Um, is this level of separation and fantasy projections between Kyle Pitts and the other tight ends like Brevin Jordan and Pat Fairmuth warranted, or? Could I wait and still not regret that decision, or do I take Pitts and not look back? I mean, in my opinion, Pitts the Hall of Fame prospect. I mean, those guys, Brevin Jordan and Pat Frymuth, are they would have been the tight end one in last year's class. Both of them would have been, in my opinion. Um, but do you pass Some... up on a Hall of Famer? No. No. Like, if you knew Travis Kelsey was going to be a Hall of Famer, would you have passed up on Travis Kelsey? No, probably not. Um, same thing with Kyle Pitts. He's 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 a unique talent. I think he's actually going to be he's actually a number one rated receiver on AGS, and I think he's going to play receiver much more than he plays traditional tight end at the NFL level. But man, dude, Kyle Pitts is really really good, like really good. I think he's better than people think he is. Actually, people think he's pretty good. Um, yeah, he's. I think the gap is wide and warranted, even though Farmuth and Jordan are very talented players. Kyle Pitts is a potential future Hall of Famer. Uh, regardless of landing position, Jordan or Farmuth? Jordan. I think Jordan offers more after the catch. In, in today's NFL, I think um, they're to use his, his movement skills and his ability after the catch to, to kind of be a big slot. Um, and he's a, he's a good blocker. He shows good effort, I think. But for me, it's Jordan's going to be a potential um, Evan Ingram-like weapon in offense. Um, hopefully, like Johnny Smith, if used correctly. <laughs> if used correctly is a great caveat to use for Johnny Smith. Yeah, 100%. Um, back towards the wide receiver realm, uh, a couple of players that we haven't touched on yet, but I'd like your opinion on. Sure. Um, Looking at Waddle, Elijah Moore, Terrace Marshall Jr., and Tylen Wallace. Okay. I think uh, I'll start. The most underrated receiver in this class is Tylen Wallace. I mean, for me, um, on AGS, he's, he's in that same tier with Bateman, Waddle, Rondell Moore, and Terrace Marshall. Um, he's a little bit higher of a grade. I mean, he is... If without the ACL injury, man, he would have been 
you know, I, I think a surefire first round pick. Um, I think he's bounced back from the ACL. Um, I think the hereditary nature of the injury, I think his brother as well has had multiple ACLs. Um, so that's kind of a bit of a concern, but I'm like, I'm definitely um, going and grabbing Tylen Wallace um, at his current cost. And I think he's a really talented wide receiver who's a guy I'm going to be grabbing everywhere, especially, like I said, like at cost. Um, Waddle, I like a lot. Uh, Waddle's a very good player in terms of his ability to take the top off a of defense and win in the third level. I think he's going to be a third level and first level receiver, which means he's going to be scheme touched on the first level, you know, like jet motions, things of that nature, uh, to get the ball in his hands and use his speed as a weapon. And then the third level to, to be that guy, to be the Deshaun the Jackson of an offense, as you will, um, to take the top off the of defense and, and get some of those deep targets and a ton of air yards. Um, he's a guy that is really polarizing because I don't think he is a number one receiver in the NFL. Like, I, I think he is a, a really high-end two. Um, but just like a guy like Deshaun Jackson, like I mentioned before, he can put up some pretty good seasons because he's going to get a ton of air yards. He's going to get a ton of deep targets. But the thing that's not being talked about enough is he's the, he's the next best punt returner since Devin Hester. And mm-hmm. that is, obviously, it's not going to score you many fancy points unless you're you know, in punt return yards league, which I'm in none of. Um, I, those probably do exist, though. Um, but man, he's a dynamic, dynamic player. Um, and then I think you mentioned Terrace Marshall. Um, yeah, we did Marsh- touch on Go ahead. more. You did say something about more or Marshall. I forget, uh, which one you said you were not a fan of. I like both more and Marshall, hmm. um, Rondo more. And I, there's a lot. I mean, El- Elijah more, Elijah more. Elijah more is interesting. I think he's going to be a, um, a slot only receiver at the NFL level. I don't see him being a um, multi-position threat at the receiver position, but I think he can be a very good slot receiver in the NFL offense. I don't know if he'll ever be a primary target, but he's going to be a guy that gets, you know, gets some good run. He's a starting caliber player. Uh, Rondell Moore, like I mentioned before, if he gets into a, you know, gets to the creative offensive coordinator, let's say if Andy Reid takes him in the back of that first round, then we're kind of talking. Uh, Terrace Marshall, he has a chance to be a very good NFL player, and he's not being talked about enough. He has the size, the movement skills, uh, the top-end speed and accelerative qualities to be a number one NFL wide receiver um, in an offense. And I think that's where you know he will end up. It depends on where he gets drafted, you know, how he develops early on in his career, but he definitely has a ton of potential and is not being talked about enough. All right, my audio cut out there at the very, very end, but I came back to silence, so I'm assuming that you just wrapped up the question. Nope, yep, just wrapped it up. Nope, good Perfect. timing. Good, good timing. All right. Uh, it's like, oh, no. Uh, so moving on to Chubba Hubbard. Have you fallen out of love with him at all compared to over a year ago? What's changed for you? No, I, I think he's a. I think he's being undervalued right now. I think there's a lot of... I guess negativity surrounding, you know, him as a player now. I mean, he was a two thousand yard running back, right? So th- those type of players don't come around often. They don't. They certainly don't fall off trees. But I think you know, with his ankle injury, the problems with their offensive line, like literally having like one or two starting caliber players uh, on their offensive line, and then the whole Gundy situation. I mean, that was bad, in, bad in its own right. But he, you know, for me, he's actually in that same tier with. Javante Williams, Michael Carter, and Kenneth Gainwell. I think he's a good player. I think, you know, analytically he grades out really, really well. He didn't grade out so great for me film-wise. Um, so I think he's like a guy like ETN. He's pretty scheme-dependent. But people are pretty low on him. I've seen him slip to the third round in rookie draft. So it's, I think he's definitely worth a shot there, 100%. I mean, even in the mid-second round, I'd take a stab at him. But it, like a guy like ETM, like I said, man, it's it's going to depend a little bit on on where they're drafted and how they can kind of develop earlier on in their career. Um, tagging on to that, what's one player that swung unexpectedly in your eyes from one end of the spectrum to the other in this past year? 
Oh man. Hmm. It it can be either from your extreme confidence, you know, I'm not looking back, this is top tier to go to uh, I don't know, or vice versa. Um just anybody jumping out to you? Yeah, I think um Najee Harris one that always comes to mind because he went from being he was my number RB RB one last, like coming, you know, like coming into this college football season. But I think he just really separated himself from the pack. And his work with Dr. Matthew Ree and, and becoming a more explosive athlete, working on some of the qualities that he saw as weaknesses. Uh, I mean, he did a tremendous job this year of showing the nation um, who he is as a player. And I think there is a wide gap between Harris and the rest of this running back class. What's your hottest take from this past season that you were completely off on? Oh, man. All right, I got to think uh, about this for a second. I'd like to expose yourself real quick. That's okay. Since I'm you okay sound like such a brainiac, I'd like it, you to look like a real dum-dum it, here. It's, it's okay. I'll definitely expose myself. Um, oh, man. I thought Jalen Rager was going to be a wide receiver, too. Mm. Um, Didn't we all? Didn't that we all? didn't work out. Um, but I there's guess... this year with Hurts, though. Are you excited yeah, about I'm, that? Yeah, I'm hoping. I am pumped about that. I'm, I mean, assuming that front office doesn't take a quarterback at six, which I don't think they'll do, but that would be brutal if they did. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else. Um, Edwards Hilary had ranked really highly. Him and Jonathan Taylor were in the same tier. Um, obviously, we couldn't predict Le'Veon Bell going there, but, I mean, Edwards Hilary still had, what, like 1,300 total yards in, like, 14 games. So I'm not – I'm not super concerned about Edwards Hilaire, and I'm definitely holding him. Um, but I think the one that comes to mind, I'm like, God bless. It was definitely Jalen Rager. I thought he was the unquestioned future number one of that Eagles offense. But, man, Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson, it all just, it just imploded. But that was definitely my one that I'm like, man, I totally whiffed on. I mean, his his injury there at the beginning certainly didn't Yeah, help. he had a couple injuries, but, I mean, yeah, it's just even, like, looking at it, it's like I don't know if that front office thinks he's the number one receiver now. So it's going to be a lot tougher for him to return wide receiver to value. It'll be interesting to see what they do in the draft for sure, for sure. I hope they take a I – think, I think they take a receiver at six. I think it's um, Pitts, Chaser, Smith. I think one of those three guys is going to go at six to the Eagles. You think Pitts could drop all the way to six? I think we could see um, a, the first four picks be quarterbacks. I think that's a very possible scenario with, with teams wanting to trade up and acquire um, guys like say, Trey it, Lance. It seems like there seems to be more rumblings about teams wanting to trade back. and <laughs> Yeah. I don't know if it's maybe just because I'm paying more attention to these things and it's always been that way or if it really is a trend that I've heard it's, you know, some of it's for like contract talks and being able to apply that tag and that's why they're trading back and forth. And um, No, right. I mean, there's definitely – I mean, here goes this. Like, it would, would it shock anybody if Detroit traded up to three and swapped with Miami, you know? Um, Detroit needs a Jared Goff on their franchise quarterback. Jared Goff probably knows that too. So I, I think I think it makes sense, you know, for some teams to definitely inquire. Carolina's a big one too. Like Carolina's probably stuck with Mac Jones if they stay at eight, right? Denver's a giant question mark. There's other teams like San Francisco who, you know, Jimmy Grapple isn't their future. They know that. Jimmy G knows that. But are they willing to trade up to two or three? or four with Atlanta um, to, to get their guy. And I think, you know, the first five picks, I think I think four out of the five actually end up being quarterbacks with trade-ups. Five goes Penny Sewell, and then six is going to be Kyle Pitts, and then seven is going to be, um, I think it's probably going to be Jamar Chase, and then I think Devonta Smith ends up going number 11 to the Giants. I think that's a big possibility if it shapes out like that. Interesting. Uh, uh, I'll tell you what, if we go back and listen to this and it goes out exactly like that, I uh, will send you a pizza. That, that's for certain. I like pizza. Uh, Lumal Nadis, please. Um, 
pepperoni and sausage would be great. We'll worry about the details after your, your <laughs> little dream there comes true. All right. So, but uh, it will, we can but yeah, be it. funny. <laughs> Um, we're approaching the hour mark, but there's a number of questions. So I'd like to go rapid fire if you don't mind here. Sure, whatever you want to do. Um, players that you're holding on to this off season or uh, trying to acquire, despite the numbers saying they're unlikely to pan out. Anybody jumping out? Uh, Edwards Flair, um, likely to, unlikely to pan out. Um, Jerry Judy, definitely another one. Um, they're not the count. Anybody on the Cowboys offense? Uh, C.D. Lamb. Uh, but Amari Cooper, I think, is one that we're not talking enough about. I mean, he's still a legitimate wide receiver one, in my opinion. Um, I think they have two, two wide receiver ones in that offense with, with Lamb and, and Cooper. But, um, God, who was my other one? I just lost it. Um, oh, Darnell Mooney. Um, Chicago Bears, if the Bears get Russell Wilson, like I really hope they do. Uh, he's definitely a beneficiary of that to play the potentially the Tyler Lockett role of an offense, which, which could be pretty good for fantasy some weeks and <laughs> not so good others. Um, and at running back, I think David Montgomery's one that the price is down on him, but I, I don't see how he doesn't return at least mid-tier to high-end RB2 value. Somewhere Tuba's jumping up and down with the idea of them getting Russ in Chicago, but the rest of us hate it. Um, I would love any, it. Any new head coach hires, offensive coach hires that are turning you on or off? Mm, not off, but I think Arthur Smith with Lane is really interesting to me because I think they do take a running back to be his to be his bell cow. Uh, and if that's Javante Williams, I mean Williams can go. Man, Williams might supplant Najee Harris as as many people's RB ones. Not mine, but I think he makes a really legitimate case if if that's if you know if, if he does if he does end up in Atlanta. Give me a reason not to fall in love with Mixie again. He can't keep hurting me. I'm the same way. I'm, 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 man. I'm a mixing manager in a couple of leagues, and ah, uh, man, I've been hurt too many times. But I don't know. I just he's probably gonna hurt me again. But their <laughs> offensive line improving. Burrow coming back healthy. Bernard, if he tests free agency, uh, I don't think they bring him back. I'd be surprised if they did. If they don't bring Bernard back. Mixon could see a boatload of touches, and that's what you kind of want for for him. But I don't know, man. He's probably gonna hurt me again. So um, I don't know. I'm, I'm taking a shot at him at his ADP. He's kind of falling a ton, but man, it, it's been a rough go with Joe Mixon. All all around talent wise, ranking this, the 2020, 2021, and next year's 2022 draft classes just. The whole thing, all together, not specific categories. One, two, and three. How are you ranking them? Uh, 20, 21, 22. Just a, okay. So just I'm like that. For yeah. you. Okay. All right. Easy enough. Uh, for Dynasty, any late second, third round guys you see people kicking themselves over, not taking after this 21 season ends? I guess exactly. he's looking for his Dynasty sleeper yeah. third round guys. Um. Hmm. Uh, Cornell Powell, I think he's a really interesting one. Um, Pluka Williams Jr., like I said before, I think he could return some value. Trey, um, Trey Servant, if he falls in drafts. Um, Michael Carter is an intriguing one, but probably the one I think that might fall a little bit, um, especially now pre-NFL draft, is Tylen Wallace, like I mentioned before. Um, I think he's definitely someone who could fall in the late second round, um, and you can just you know gobble up that value there. What players do you expect to hit a sophomore slump this year? Oh man, that's a great question. Um, and let's segue that with: Are we crazy to think Acres or Swift could be better running backs than JT? Okay, uh, sophomore slump. I don't think slump, but I think Justin Jefferson repeating would be really surprising. Um, I don't think he is the number one receiver in Dynasty, based on how the Minnesota Vikings play football. I think it's very tough for him to repeat the season that he did. I think he's he's going to be a perennial pro bowler but i don't know if he's going to hit that exact same season that we're expecting him to or 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 you know advance and be even you know higher and um be even higher up that totem pole but um are you crazy think that acres and swift be better than jt yeah i get J, jt brings the table is i mean rare like you'd never see it like once in once in a decade plus rare i mean he he's a 10 300 meter guy 
at 225 plus pounds. I mean, he has the guy's just in, he's a gold jacket caliber player. Um, I think Swift and Acres are very good. If I was to rank them, we go JT, Swift, and Acres. Um, but I like all three of those guys in 2021 and moving forward. I really need to get a soundboard for the show so that every time folks can say the word rare, I can drop a Ric Flair woo in the background. I love it. Where would you rank the top three running backs of this class compared to last year's running back class? Interesting. That's a great um, question. Um, I would go. There's, go only, there's only one, one question after this one, so you can take your time with this one if you'd like. Okay. So I would go Jonathan Taylor, clear gold jacket caliber player, tear break, Najee Harris, J.K. Dobbins, tear break, DeAndre Swift, Cam Akers, Travis Etienne, tear break, uh, Javante Williams, David Montgomery, A.J. Dillon, um, none like Michael Carter, Tuba Hubbard, Kenneth Gainwell, and then tier break, guys like Jamar Jefferson, etc. Gotcha. Good list. And um, I don't hate any of those uh, takes whatsoever, so it stands. I'm good with it. Love it. Oh, he said no Clyde. <laughs> oh, Clyde's in, that, Clyde. Clyde's in that second to last tier. Good second catch. To... I, knew I, I knew I forgot one, too. I'm like, there's definitely a guy <laughs> I forgot. But, yeah, Clyde would be in that same tier with, with – he'd be at the middle of that tier, I believe, with, like, Williams and uh, Williams and Montgomery and, and those type of cats. I like Clyde a lot. It's just well, really hard to predict, you know, I mean, what they're going to do. Yeah. Uh, I mean, who thought Clyde was the RB1 going into the draft last year? Zero. Nobody. I mean, uh, I guess I should add, did you have him going number one as, you know, into the draft? Uh, no, I didn't. But I wasn't surprised because of how good he was as a receiver. It didn't surprise me at all. And he was the guy I compared to Brian Westbrook, too, just mm. because how he plays the game and, and how much Andy Reid loved Brian Westbrook. Uh, it made sense to me. Um, but, yeah, I think that was a big one. Then, oh, Trey Sermon, I forgot. Um, he'd be in that same tier, too. Um, on the AGS, he's a little lower because analytically he didn't check out well. But I actually like him a lot. And I think that, you know, he's kind of with that Antonio Gibson tier of players who, you know, high ceiling, low floor types. Uh, Antonio Gibson obviously panned out. I mean, he, you know, kind of made that transition. And went from being a you know a guy who barely had what 30, 30 carries in his whole college career to being you know ADP is what like RB twelve or better now so I mean that's huge and he had a great rookie year um, I think that can be Sermon obviously Sermon had a ton of work in college but you're kind of concerned with Sermon for a different reason uh, that being his durability and speaking of durability. My man, Paris Campbell, is made of styrofoam. Um, Pinecone, I'll get back to you. We talked about... Actually, we did not get to that, so let's hit that real quick. Uh, favorite landing spot for any rookie? Said, sorry, I don't know much about the rookies. Just curious where your dream landing spot is for your favorite player. <sighs> if you could pick one player in the draft and put them on one team, where are you putting them? One player in the draft on one team. Okay, I would put Najee Harris in Atlanta. Not going to happen. I don't think he falls that far, but that'd be awesome. Um, I think that'd be a smash spot. He said to you on the Bears, man, if that happens, I would do backflips. Um, oh, man. Um, I would also say Travis Etienne in the 49ers. It's a big one for me. If that happens, Etienne, you know, that's the one thing is can he, you know, can he get in a wide zone scheme that allows him to succeed, man? And if he does, you know, the you know the, it's it's the moon is the ceiling and and to end the show on a sad note with my Colts fandom Paris Campbell I had such high hopes and what a bust and then hopes maybe re-rising and then busted again but uh 
injury concerns with him? Do you think we can get a full season out of him? Or can we, you know, forget about him? Can we, please? With, with, with Campbell, you, you have to look at the – look at the – look if they bring in any bring in any receivers um, and what the cap looks like. Capital looks like on those guys or via free agency. Obviously, T.Y. Hilton's not getting any younger. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr. is a good guy, you know, a good player on the outside. Um, but Paris Campbell has that slot spot kind of locked up. And if the Colts want to succeed, Tre- um, Trevor Lawrence, they wish they had Trevor Lawrence. Carson Wentz um, isn't going to be a high, high A dot quarterback. He's going to be, you know, checking down a ton and, and looking to looking underneath for, for Paris Campbell, um, you know, to do his thing after the catch. But I think, you know, seeing if, who, if they draft the slot receiver. Uh, but if they don't, I think Paris Campbell could definitely return value if he's healthy. If he's healthy, man, he's, he could definitely be a back-end wide receiver three. Uh, he, I don't see why not with, with that team. They don't have a ton of, um, of high-volume pass catchers. Why, you know, why couldn't it be Paris Campbell? And on that note, you heard it here first that if the Colts don't sign a slot wide receiver, I will be drafting Paris Campbell on Angelo's uh, guarantee that when healthy, he's quite the player. So, Angelo, this one goes out to you. Um, You know, I'm putting all the evil on you. So let's hope that they don't (laughs) draft a slot wide receiver and we see some heavy lifting from Paris because – You've got it on tape now, and it has to be done. So I love it. Thanks again, my man, for coming on. It's been a blast. Uh, I don't want to keep you any longer. Uh, great, great insights on all the questions tonight. Uh, I'm sure chat's going to erupt uh, with thank yous here if they have any class. And we don't have to worry about the pro, pro Bears perspective. You, you guys can DM them about that later on. But uh, – Thanks again, my man. Uh, plug your content one more time for us. Uh, yeah. Um, thanks again for having me on, man. It, it's always it's always a pleasure coming on here and answering questions. Um, but in terms of my content, you can find um, all of it on my website at angelanalysis.com. And then a lot of that stuff I put on Twitter, especially updates, things of that nature, on um, at Angelo underscore fantasy. And then um, my DMs are always open. So if, if you guys ever want to chop it up or – or have questions for me about my perspective on players, just feel free to reach out. Unless you're in leagues with me, in which case, leave the man alone. His DMs are closed <laughs> and he doesn't want to hear from you, all right? Uh, but seriously, thanks again, Angelo. Uh, I'm sure if uh, your schedule allows it, we'll have you on again post-draft, and we'll talk about all the landing spots of the rookies and get into the deep weeds about all that and how some players are going to be wasted and others are going to be utilized. But Love until, it, man. until then, everybody be sure to check out Angelo's content. This has been a Thursday night AMA. Next week we're taking off because I'm tired and need a break. And Angelo was a great note to end on. But this is Space Ghost Force signing off for Fantasy Football Chat. Thanks again, Angelo, and we'll see everybody on the on the flip side.